Hi, welcome. My name is Ozzy Jorg. I'm the host of Ozbuzz, where we interview interesting and eclectic, successful people in and around the real estate umbrella. And today we have the privilege of having with us Kelly Fry. She was a very unique kind of a, a person because she's a realtor and a chartered accountant. I mean, what a combination. I mean, she completed a Bachelor of Commerce and a graduate diploma in public accountancy at McGill University. And then she worked in private practice with Ernst & Young and completed her articling for a CPA in US tax. She has a love for numbers and that of course together with real estate is probably the ideal uh, combination because that's what you need to know. She became a full-time investor uh, some time ago in 2004 and in 2011 she actually got a real estate license and got act actively involved, became the rookie of the year and now she runs an 11-man woman team and in Vancouver that team sold some 169 properties in 2022 and was awarded the top listing group and top selling group for units sold. So quite an amazing uh, performance. But the interesting thing is that isn't, she isn't just a realtor, she's also an investor and she has a portfolio of some 150 properties. And just five years ago, she started to look at the idea of an Airbnb, started with her own basement suite uh, as a practice. And now she runs 20 Airbnbs in the suburbs of Coquitlam, Surrey, Langley, Maple Ridge, Mission, Abbotsford, Aldergrove. And that's why we're here today. Everybody talks Airbnb, everybody talks to the major cities, but what about making money in Airbnb in the suburbs? Welcome, Kelly Fry. Thank you, Ozzy. It's so great to be here and uh, love to talk about Airbnbs for sure. Well, the big thing is that we all know about being a landlord and um, what is sort of the difference between being a landlord in a regular apartment and an Airbnb host? Well, I think that firstly, you get a tremendous premium over rent. So I've done the calculations and I've calculated, and this is not even peak season numbers, but you're looking at a 50 to 100% premium on the income wow. with Airbnb. Uh, now, granted, there's a lot more involved. It's a lot more active than being a landlord on a regular rental. So if there are problems that arise or questions, you have to deal with them in a fairly timely manner. Yeah, and that's 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 perhaps what people have to realize. Do you have to be personally involved in, in the management? Or? Well, I mean, I have some assistants on my real estate team that are quite involved in helping. And then I have my cleaners and um, handymen who are all part of the platform and the team. But I do oversee things. And if there's something that's not handled, I step in. But I try to scale it as best I can. You need a system, I guess, you know, you need a system for the cleaners and who does the management and the turnovers and, and all of those kind of things. But the people that book Airbnbs um, in the, I know why they book Vancouver, but why would they book in the suburbs? Well, you know, it's always a question that I get and uh, it's quite astonishing uh, when you look at my occupancy rates. But I think the real problem with the suburbs is that many of them have terrible hotels. Um, they have very few. <laughs> And uh, that's your competition. And so when people are coming to town to see family and, you know, it's very normal things. People are coming for weddings, funerals, yeah. graduations, hockey tournaments, swim meets. Uh, they're coming to get pet surgeries. You know, you whatever you can think of, you know, that's what people are coming for. There's also the travel nurses, anybody that's coming on short-term work assignments. And then people that move here with good jobs think they can just get a rental or buy a place. And, you know, it's quite difficult to either rent or buy in our market because there's always a shortage of inventory. So 
quite often the Airbnbs are a landing spot for people when they're trying to get into a rental. And well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Do, do you have a special way to advertise for B&B in suburbs? Uh, no, no. I just set the rates based on what the market can bear. And if I walk through some of the, the areas for you, Chilliwack right now is phenomenal because there's 3,000 pipeline workers there. Mm. And so they occupy all the hotels. They also spin out into Mission because they're they're taking Abbotsford Mission hotels as well as Airbnbs. And then Abbotsford, of course, has the international airport. So you get the people traveling in and out. Yeah. You know, Maple Ridge has one hotel that burned down and one that's in a trailer park. So nobody in their right mind would stay there. And uh, Langley's got the highest population growth in the province. So there's always demand there. And then, of course, Surrey is close enough to Vancouver, as is Coquitlam. And they're fairly large populations. So, again, every different area has a reason why it's successful. Yeah, and the interesting thing too is, I assume when you buy real estate in a, in a suburb, it's cheaper than if you were to buy it in Vancouver. So yeah. the returns naturally, maybe the rent is a little lower, but but uh, the the in investment to get into the business uh, it should be easier in the suburbs. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I always tell people, you know, your uh, your rent to value ratio is much much better. Um, and 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 the trends follow one thing that I really learned this summer was I pretty well doubled my rates between June and September because mm -hmm. I learned from last year that you could really get away with a lot higher rates. So uh, and that would be similar in Vancouver as well. Well, and you go to a Vancouver hotel. I mean, it blows me away. I mean, I, I went to Whistler. I made a speech uh, at the Western Hotel and a room rental for just a basic room was five hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you start thinking, hey, maybe I should be looking at an Airbnb. But yeah. what about financing an Airbnb? What does the banks and, and the institu financial institutions, what do they think about you coming with an offer for an Airbnb? Well, I think uh, I think part of it is that you don't really tell them or divulge that that's your intention because um, okay. they're not really friends of Airbnb, the, the A lending, the banks. But for myself, because I have such a large portfolio, um, I have one of my Airbnbs that I closed on with private money. I'm just converting it right now to B lending. The B lenders don't really concern themselves too much. And so, um, you know, because the return is so strong, even if you're paying a slightly higher interest rate, it doesn't matter because it will be covered by the income of the property. So a B lender, would that be a MIC or uh, would it be a smaller bank like a... Yeah, like, you know, your home trust, uh, Canadian Western, uh, some of these alternatives. Yeah, and Canadian Western, they even have financed some very big buildings. Uh, they've, they've been in the real estate business for a while. But the, the uh, now the, the people that rent then, it's, are you looking at sort of, sort of the news to find out all the all workers are in Chilliwack or what do you have? Uh, how do you keep track of where you think people might be coming from? Well, um, firstly, they tell me when they message so a lot of times i'll ask them they say they're coming down for work i said what what are you working on uh, but also just being in investor circles you hear things and you hear from other investors the hot spots so you know but quite honestly my experience and one of the reasons why i've tested so many areas is because as a realtor i need to be able to tell clients what the rates are in different areas which are good areas and, and all of them work uh, and so then it becomes a question of what's the product type that you can get away with doing Airbnbs on. So detached duplexes, fourplexes, these are much easier because you don't have a strata to contend with. 
So then when it comes down to a strata property, you have to make sure that there's no restrictions on short term. On the strata council, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so we sell a lot of pre-sales. So what we try to do is we try to get as many of our own clients on council so that we can prevent any restrictions from coming into the rules or bylaws. And that way everyone's protected and we can keep the Airbnb status going. And um, I, want, I had a problem with Chilliwack recently because one of my tenants reported me because they didn't like the fact that I was running Airbnbs in the building. And I, I discovered through all of the paperwork that their classification of short term is under 29 days. So I responded to them and said, you know, I would be complying after September because I didn't want to lose the summer premium income, right? Mm -hmm. So I will reset my Airbnb platform to 29 day minimum after September 1st, which doesn't concern me too much in Chilliwack because of the number of workers that are there that will want longer terms. So there's the Strata Council to consider, and then I guess the city rules and regulations. I know that Vancouver has an anti-Airbnb stance and you have to, you can rent, but only if you live in the unit yourself. Is, is that correct? Yes, but the thing about the cities, what my experience has been, the cities themselves, they don't have the manpower to pursue Airbnbs. They don't really, they turn a blind eye to them. The only time that they ever say anything or do anything is if it's complaint driven. And yeah. so you just have to try and keep everybody happy most of the time. But that's that's about the same with everything else. I remember once that there was a, you know, it's a long time ago, but there was a dispute over a fence between neighbors on a cul-de-sac, and uh, and uh, and a fellow had a, a suite in his basement that was computing with the neighbor. Well, the, the finally the neighbor gave up, but he reported him to the city, and they couldn't have cared less that he had a suite in the basement. But now it's complained. They have to react on it, and so so you be very careful uh, who you argue with. So this, but I mean, the thing is, you want to be as 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 much as possible. You want to be on site with the city, but you really have to be on site uh, with the strata. You don't want to create a, a whole bunch of problems because your guests might be the problem. You know, what do you do with guests who want to party or who cause damage? Well, you know, I have a lot of experience with that. <laughs> so uh, Airbnb settings permit you to only approve if you want instant bookings for people that have good reviews. So anybody who has good reviews automatically can book. If they have no reviews or bad reviews, they have to be vetted by my team. So we will then grill them quite a bit. And, you know, we make a judgment call on whether we want to take a chance on them. And that's usually where the problems arise is with those people with uh, no reviews. So because of the thousands of people that are coming onto Airbnb every day that have never tried it before, you know, there is a very high likelihood that the person's good. So you kind of try and just judge that. And then when you make a mistake, you just try and recover quickly. <laughs> you know, but do you have, you have a set of rules, uh, house rules that oh, you, yes. people have to, what yes. would be those rules, for instance? Well, no parties is is one rule. And if we get any inkling of a party, even in the description, we say no. Um, so we try to take families as much as possible. But a lot of times wedding guests in town for weddings, they get really unruly and out of, t out of control with drinking. So we are very yeah. careful with wedding guests as well. Well, it also the other people in the building, you know, they're going to you, you want them as your friends. You don't want them to have to suffer through, uh, through parties and no, I mean, the, the whole idea of guests, uh, sometimes I, I did talk to somebody who had a B&B &B in Victoria, and they said sometimes these guests expect to the to be the services of a big hotel. 
when they're really in an Airbnb. And I have to make sure that they understand these are my rules and you have to live by them and whatever they may be. You know? Yeah, I noticed that a lot with them. They all are constantly requesting early check-ins and late checkouts. And, you know, we don't have a crew of cleaners like a hotel staff does. And so right. we're on very tight schedules. And especially in peak season right now, we don't have the bandwidth to like allow for these things. So we're very tough on that. And we just say, no, I'm sorry, you know. Well, so so what is the, the checkout time normally? So typically our checkout time is 11 a.m. in the morning and our check-in time is 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And that gives that five hour window for the cleaners to come in, um, whether it's a one, two or three bedrooms take the longest and they've got to do all the laundry, the restocking, because our cleaners do the restocking of supplies right. as well. So toilet paper, paper towel, body wash, right. all that. Yeah. Well, so, it's it's so vital. You know, it's funny. I've gone to an Airbnb and when they have a sanitation band around the toilet seat, I feel better somehow. Yes. <laughs> for, for all I know is that's the only thing that's there, but you have a sense that you need the time. There is work involved. The crew has to come on time. Maybe they'll start late or whatever, but uh, you want to have a real clean place. You have to have allow the owners uh, the time to and, and uh, their uh, workers to, to do the job. What about if somebody leaves stuff in the fridge, do you? Yeah, well, the cleaners typically will take the items from the fridge. Every once in a while, we might miss something and, you know, we get told immediately. So we just suggest that they throw it out, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think the big thing is you, you mentioned reviews, and and I know that uh, uh, that reviews are you know really really important. So let's say there's somebody he could either be a total idiot or maybe he has some real reason, but he puts up a bad review. What do you do? Well, I mean this does happen to us because once you have a certain volume, like I maintained a superhost status when I only had one or two or three, but as soon as you get into a bigger volume, you're going to hit problems and you're going to hit difficult people and. You know, I don't take it personally. If I feel like it, we will do a public response to the review. But a lot of times it's not even worth it. As long as the guests can see, you know, uh, 75 other good reviews, it's pretty apparent that this person's a one-off problem, right? Yeah. But if it's been something we've had to rectify, like what just happened to me a few days ago in a house that I have, a bee's nest developed in the ceiling and broke a hole through the ceiling and all these bees came out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean how do you how do you plan for that that's um i can't an you, know, God, you know yeah i can just get a, you know pest control in and a handyman to repair it and there's you know and so of course you get some disgruntled guests they want to refund right away and i i don't really question and i just say go you know that's fine because what, what is your refund policy in general let's say uh, he's booked to come in this saturday and two days before he says i'm not coming uh pay me well, back if it like right now it doesn't matter that much because it's peak season right okay. so we get a lot of last minute bookings but typically it's 24 up to 24 hours prior they can cancel mm -hmm. it's just that once you hit that 24 hour mark if there's a problem or they want to cancel then they have to go through airbnb and it's the the host's judgment call as to whether they want to approve it or not the airbnb is they are they're they're a good organization right they're huge right and so you want to be part of that right yeah, well, do you want the protection of the insurance? You want the, for the most part, I do have to argue with them periodically, but um, they do try to appease the hosts. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a joint venture in a way, right? Without the hosts, they don't have a business. It's probably the largest organization of hotels that doesn't own any hotels, right? Or, or That's right. So, um, right. <clears throat> what 
But not, let's say I don't have a lot of capital. Uh, would there be a way to run an Airbnb without it? Yeah, and that's something that I've gotten quite heavily into, and that's what we call Airbnb arbitrage. So if you can rent a unit from someone else, then your capital is limited to, let's say, a damage deposit and then the cost of furnishing and fixturing a, a property. And so what I've done with uh, different apartment buildings that I own with other owners I become a tenant, I pay rent to the corporation that owns the building, and then I make the lift on the income, the arbitrage from uh, from what I'm paying. So it's a tremendous return on cash because it's much, much less than you'd have to pay to buy a property on your own. Yeah, so you, you have a contract with the owner and then you guarantee him, him or her a certain amount of fixed income. So you get for me, you get 1500 a month, whatever it is. And I give you 12 post-dated checks and then I'll run everything. I clean it, I, I fix it, I look at the tenants and then you rent it for 2,500 or whatever you can. Exactly. And you keep the, exactly. keep the difference. What about insurance in a case like that? The owner has to still, has you have to have his insurance, right? Yeah. And, and the thing is, um, you know, I haven't had any difficulty getting insurance for Airbnbs, but it, it you have to have the right uh, insurance brokers. Yeah, like the ones that are well, best are, uh, you know, knowledgeable. But that's isn't that true with everything? I mean, certainly in the real estate business, you know, I am absolutely pro realtor, but not all realtors, right? You have to take a look at your, you know, what is the experience level? What is, you know, I mean, in a hot market, uh, some realtors that they think they're a realtor if I drive fast with my full price offer, right? But but you feel if if your business as long as you have, and then you're an owner yourself, you can relate and empathize with the owner's problems. That's what you want in your realtor. You want somebody that looks after your interest. Uh, now, some of the some of the secrets are sort of probably how do you build leverage or, or scale in this business? Well, because I am such a busy person as a realtor, um, I don't really have the time to handhold my Airbnbs like, let's say, an operator might. So it's always been out of the question that I'd never be cleaning anything. So, you know, you have to have a very good crew of cleaners. And I push the cleaners very hard because I get them all to restock. They submit their invoices twice a month with all of their bills for restocking. So I keep an eye on the amounts. But really, that whole component is leveraged out to the cleaners. I have one person that's kind of a standby person. that's like a concierge that steps in. If the air conditioners are broken or the uh, internet's down or they can't figure out the Roku or whatever, like I don't really know how to fix those things anyway. And I can't be involved in that no. because my hourly rate as a realtor is so high that I have to keep my energy focused on my actual listings. So um, having these people in place that I pay as independent contractors hourly for the work that they put in, um, you know, it's life-saving. And then all of our locations are on lockbox. And so the lockbox check-in instructions are in the Airbnb listing so that the guests themselves can check in and check out um, and figure that out. Sometimes they have problems, they'll send us messages, et cetera. But we try to be, we're not there meeting them with keys or anything like that. What about, what, what, what is restocking? What does that mean? Well, I mean, um, especially in a peak season right now where every day is almost booked or if you have large parties of families, you know, you've like, we make sure that there's, toilet paper, paper towels, body wash, shampoo, conditioner, uh, tissue like Kleenex, that there's dish uh, detergent, that there's, you know, the liquid plus the, the dishwasher detergent, coffee, hot chocolate, 
creamers, like stuff like that. We try to make it a, a great experience so that they have some really good basics in there in the unit. And then, of course, the linens get stained and things happen. So there's a constant replenishing of the linens as well. So they buy those and uh, anything. Sometimes things get broken as well. Yeah, and they have a certain amount. I'm sure they can spend them their own and then get it back from you. Uh, yes. you know, so that so that you don't you don't waste uh, time. Can I just ask you some quick question and you just say yes or no? King, king sure. size bed, yes or no? King size? Um, I typically don't, but uh, my designer is always out harping on me about that. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, it came. It came. Uh, I, I found we were, we were my wife and I were going to go on to. Uh, into Airbnb, and I found very few that had a king size. I'm just curious. This is yeah. why. Yeah, so she's always telling me that this would be an important thing. So I think <laughs> I have one in one of my units, but I don't. What about the, the button? So did the entrance pad at the door, do, sort of a numbered pad? So you work in a lockbox? Uh, lockbox, except in some cases, I do have number codes in apartment buildings, but um, I find sometimes the, the door codes fail, and then we've got to replace the batteries. And so... Sometimes keys are easier. So the keys is 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 an easier. Is it more difficult if they leave with the keys? It can be, but the cleaners all have copies, and uh, as long as you're near a Walmart, Walmarts have these machines that produce keys mm. for wax very quickly in a few minutes, right? So, mm. so you you give free copy? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. How about silverware? And I mean. Uh, oh yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. All that. So, so for how many people? Five people, six people? It uh, depends on how many guests that the place can accommodate. Like a three bedroom typically can accommodate about eight people because we have three queens and then a double pillow coach. What about towels? Yeah, large quantities. I just replaced a whole batch on the way I left this week. Yeah, that's that. That to me is is really important. Uh, do, do you? Uh, what about a TV? Do you have a large TV, a small TV? Yeah, we have uh, TVs in the living rooms. Um, one of them, I just put one in a bedroom recently, but um, typically they're they're a decent size and they're all smart TVs. Do you have the house rules sort of printed out and stapled on the front desk? You know, we are moving towards that um, because we did see someone else's model that we're in, uh, copying. It just my units, like it grew so fast over time where opportunities and vacancies arose and I just like jumped on the opportunities or people had furniture packages for sale and I just seized the, the opportunity at a discount. So I, I probably didn't build in the best systems from the beginning that I keep improving upon now. Well, I think that that perhaps is the best piece of advice. Get going, you know, start. Yes. And then there's no way. I mean, I, I, I do a little series of uh, vignettes where I've taken some of the things that we always sort of quote, like um, it's uh, you should learn from other people's mistakes. You don't really, you learn from your own mistakes. You know, I mean, there is no, when my mother said, don't touch the stove, I found a way to touch it. And that's when I learned. Right? Anyways, the point is, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's get going. I want to have a different lifestyle. I want to try the Airbnb, uh, get some good advice, like pe people like yourself and particularly yourself. And, um, and then get going. And then you can uh, add, add things to it. Uh, as, I'll as, give you I'll give you an example of my most recent one. I wasn't planning it, but we had a big fire in Maple Ridge. I don't know if you saw it. It was a, a building that we had sold many pre-sale units in, and it burnt down to the ground and built the, and burnt half the building behind it. It was also the same developer's building that was fully occupied. 
And so I realized, oh my God, we're going to have a surge of demand in Maple Ridge. We already have a problem with supply and I already had three running. So uh, a, a, a vacancy popped up. I just grabbed it and I said, we're putting another one in. And it was July too. So it was peak season. I said, we got to seize this opportunity. So that's kind of the way I keep sort of evolving is just as these opportunities arise. I should mention, we keep talking uh, peak season. Right now, we're taking this interview in August uh, 2023. And uh, the, the peak season, I guess, in, in Vancouver is perhaps the summer only and then Christmas time. What what would be the occupancy in uh, in peak season and low season and, and the rest of the year? So I calculated these numbers for you, Ozzy, because I knew you were going to ask me. I took the current last 12 months to, to give you exact yeah. figures. So my lowest month has always been November, and I, I dropped down to about 19 and a half days uh, across the portfolio of 21 units, right? And then the highest occupancy is July and August, which runs at about 28 days. And when I take wow. all of the months together and my actual experience, I come up with 25-day average for the entire year. Wow, that's pretty darn good. People are surprised by that because they think that there's a lot more volatility. And I think when you're in uh, vacation towns that are tourist dependent, that's probably the case. But when you're in a suburban market where the demand is steady all year round mm -hmm. um, and there's not enough hotel space, that's what happens. Yeah, and I think this is so important to, to also to understand your own area and to, to read the news and see what's going on out there and what might impact your, your tenants. I know that years ago, I always would say, if you invest in a ski resort, make sure they also have golf because otherwise you have all the occupancy in, in, in the winter and nobody in the summer. Whistler was for years and years, a long time ago, was dead in the summer. Now, of course, it's just as busy or busier. Is there any final words of wisdom that you want to leave ourselves with well, I mean, one of the reasons I really got heavily into Airbnb when I did was because I could see what was happening in our local market. And my job as a realtor is to bring cash flowing opportunities to my clients and to help them build wealth. And I could see as prices were rising that we were going to have a problem achieving you know, cash flow. We were still managing until interest rates went up 10 times in a row. <laughs> but fortunately, I was already on the Airbnb bandwagon at that point, well established. And, you know, I really believe that BC is the best place to invest. I've invested in several provinces and there's like hands down, nothing compares to the increase in your net worth. And so given the opportunity, why not invest here? And if you can create this kind of cash flow, which is phenomenal, mm -hmm. uh, then this is the answer. <laughs> so Marlins, we always talk and preach cash flow and then we say, wow, I mean, with a million dollar investment, how can you cash flow? Well, Airbnb, and particularly your take, take on it, Airbnb in the suburbs where the average price is lower, the return you know, uh, uh, is, is higher, no doubt about it. But I think as you point out, you need a system, you need some households, you need to understand the Airbnb head offices, you need to understand the people's importance on leave a, leave a good review. And if there isn't a good review, you know, you have to understand what you would do and counteract. And what you say is the turnover is so important because, you know, the person that just left, he's gone. But the person that's coming is going to measure on what he sees or she sees. And I'm going to be three days in this or I'm going to be three days in this. Wow. You know, so I salute you. You have certainly carved out a, a fabulous niche. And uh, 
I thank you so much for sharing uh, your thoughts with us. Now, anybody that's watching or listening on our podcast, if you come to our YouTube channel, which is YouTube slash Durock video, or just tape or uh, click in Aussie Durock, um, in the in the comments below, we have Kelly's best phone number that she's willing to share and her best uh, email and get in touch with her and are absolutely convinced that you will find nobody better to help you in your Airbnb ventures. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ozzy. Appreciate the opportunity.